Recording in progress. Thank you all so much for joining me today. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for being full-time in our life. We ask that you please fill us up with your Holy Spirit. Allow us to receive your word today. Let us retain it. God, let us just have a better understanding of your word, Father God. Let us see and hear through your eyes and ears so that we don't depend on our own understanding. But let us see things the way that you see and hear them so that we can understand from your perspective and see people the way that you see and hear them. So we're not ever leaning on our own understanding. Father God, quicken the Holy Spirit in us to just give us advice about what to pray. Let the Holy Spirit lead us to show us the motives of people that, that we encounter. Also, let us be able to minister grace to those that need it and give hope to those that need it through your word, Father God. Let us be utilized all the time by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, let us just be obedient to your word. We ask that you please open up doors in our life that no man can close, Lord. Please allow us to just be able to fulfill your plan, will, and purpose. Whatever it takes, this goes for everybody in the world, God. Whatever it takes, shaking and awakening us all. Convict our hearts for any and everything that we do that displeases you and that is out of your plan, will, and purpose, God. Convict our hearts and uproot those things out of us that you did not put in our hearts, God. Allow us to live a life that is filled with faith and hope in you, God, and not doubt and unbelief. Father God, we just ask that you just reshape our environments in a way where we can be around things that will allow us to grow in your righteousness and understanding you and be able to practice those things that we learn and incorporate them in our life and apply those principles. God, let us be doers of your word and not just hearers of your word, Lord. And so most importantly, God, we just thank you for giving us access to your Holy Spirit. Thank you for filling us up with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for tuning your ears to hear our voice. So Holy Spirit, I thank you right now for filling me up. I ask that you allow me to, you know, minister to grace to those that are listening. Father God, please allow me to plant and water seeds in the lives of people um, that are listening. God, um, and so I just thank you right now. Please don't let me forget anything. Allow me to talk about everything that I need to allow me to give my testimony. If I need to just allow me to speak in a way that's fluid and efficient in a, in a way that it can penetrate the hearts of those that are listening. And father God, I just thank you right now that you allow your will to be done in our life, not ours or anyone else's, but yours in the name of Jesus Christ. It is still in your time and blood. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining me today. Um, I had been having, um, I have been having some family, uh, problems. So if you all could, you know, keep me in your prayers, that would be great. I do appreciate it. Um, so I'm going to continue on in the discussion of women's health today. Um, this is a trending topic. Uh, so a few housekeeping rules, right? If you wanted to ask a question via Zoom webinar, um, please go ahead and put them in the Q&A. Um, usually that's where I can see them at. If you also, if you wanted to utilize chat, you can do that as well. Um, also, if you are joining me via, via any of the audio apps, such as like iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, Alexa, uh, any of those, uh, Podbeam or any audio apps at all please go ahead and put your comments in the comment section all right 
If you have any questions or if you wanted to suggest a topic for me, please send me an email. Okay, send it directly to me at Deanna Watson at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. If you wanted to get prayer, send your prayer request to Laws Life Health at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. Also, if you are interested in doing some community service, if it was mandated by the court, or if you just wanted to do some volunteer work, maybe you wanted to complete an answer, please send me an email at info at changescorporation.org. Okay. Thank you all so much once again for joining me today. Um, I'm really excited about the path that God is like really leading me to whom much is given, much is required. And it is sometimes life can be so difficult. Um, but it's only difficult if we continue to focus on the things that allow allow us to um it allows us to to focus on the negative rather than the positive. And I know it's kind of hard and difficult at times when you're going through an experience in life. And that's all you can notice is the fact that this is a bad situation. You know, I would like this situation to change or, you know, you trying to improve and it's like you, you're constantly getting attacked, 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 attacked. So I want to talk about the word today. Let me go right into the word. Um, let me go ahead and share my screen. And if you do put a question in, in the Q&A on webinar, please go ahead and raise your hand so I can see it there. Sometimes I've noticed that sometimes when some people are asking questions and they're putting their questions in the Q&A, sometimes I don't always see it. But if you raise your hand, I'll be able to notice it and then I'll be able to answer your questions right, right then and there. Okay, so what I wanted to talk about is, um, uh, what, so what I've been talking about is um just sort of staying positive i talked about how you need to think about what you're going to say before you say it you need to remove the doubt and unbelief and replace the problem with the solution to focus on we should be complimenting others uh every day if we can right and we could do some journaling or exercising walking and, and getting some sunlight every single day this is so important just for us to be active you know and so that was pretty much the last podcast that i talked about um, in regards to being active and not, you know, being um, idle most of the time. When you're idle, it can uh, disrupt some of your behaviors, right? Um, so I wanted to finish some of that up today. But before I get into that, I wanted to go to this scripture. Let's go to Mark uh, chapter 9, verse 29. Okay, so we're going to look. I'm, I would like to look at the whole uh, thing here. So Jesus had healed a boy that was possessed by an impure spirit. So we're going to start at verse 14. Um, chapter. This is Mark chapter 9, verse 14. It says, when they came to the other to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech whenever it seizes him and throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they cannot. So in verse 19, um, before we get there, we see that this, this sounds like someone who has epilepsy, right? 
um where and they also are mute um and so that's what it sounds like here because they are having uh like a seizure they're foaming at the mouth their um their gnashes of the teeth and, and their teeth become rigid uh so that's what it sounds like so let's look at in verse 19 you unbelieving generation jesus replied how long shall i stay with you how long shall i put up with you bring the boy to me so like let's look back here so he this person this man who is in the crowd his son is possessed by a spirit but the disciples cannot drive out the spirit the reason why is because the disciples are unbelieving at this moment they are unbelieving they can't drive out the spirit so um jesus is saying look you are unbelieving nation un unbelieving generation so bring the boy to me in verse 20 it says so they they brought him when the spirit saw jesus it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion he fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth jesus asked the boy's father how long has the has how long has he been like this from childhood he answered it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him but if you can do anything take pity on us and help us if you can said jesus everything is possible for one who believes now remember what this word says in verse 23 if you can said jesus everything is possible for one who believes immediately the boy's father exclaimed i do believe help me overcome my unbelief when jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene he rebuked the impure spirit you deaf and mute spirit he said i command you come out of him and never enter him again the spirit shrieked convulsed him violently and came out the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead but jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up after jesus had gone indoors his disciples asked him privately why couldn't we drive it out he replied this kind come out only by prayer so this is this is something that's really important to look at right the i i want to really talk about this because uh so the disciples they are actually walking with jesus they are seeing jesus heal the sick and raise the dead so they should be able to also have the same use the same authority that god has given them to do the same right but they couldn't drive out the spirit because it was like they were having unbelief so they they needed to believe and so the prayer of the father the man in the crowd that was talking about his son um if you look here in in verse 24 he said immediately the boy's father exclaimed i do believe help me overcome my unbelief so that was a request that request was a prayer that was his prayer request to Jesus saying, help me overcome my belief, unbelief. So he had doubting unbelief. So when we are in, uh, when we are in times in our life where sometimes we can't see or have any hope, it's like God has given us faith and he has given each and every one of us a measure of faith. So if you find yourself having unbelief it's okay to ask god help me overcome my unbelief so whatever it is that you're going through that's a prayer request prayer is a conversation with god 
okay so um i recently was just going through like a real tough time just these last few days it, it was so hard on me i had a family um like it was some family issues happening and i felt like i was being like mentally and spiritually attacked and so i feel that when we get to the point where when we're going through these experiences in life we have to we have to put ourselves in a position where we're communicating with God. And I mean like in a, a constant continuum basis. And so it's a, so important to keep God in your life when you're going through that. It's like we have to constantly stay in prayer, stay in prayer. So, um, so we see here that jesus is saying to them look this this type of um situation like um this kind can come out only by prayer so when the father asked jesus help me overcome my unbelief that was a prayer request so when jesus had saw the crowd was running to the scene he rebuked the impure spirit so jesus wanted to make sure that it was enough people that were seeing what was taking place because guess what the more and more they see people see miracles happen the more and more they can believe in god so the miracles that take place in your life is a miracle that god will allow to happen in your life the more and more god is working in your life the more god can impact the lives of the people that are around you so you want to make sure that your life is being glorified through god when you're going through these experiences try to focus on what is god trying to show me in this situation god explain to me show me what i need to see father god help me overcome my unbelief so whatever it is you're experiencing in life god is available God is available. He always makes time for us. God always has the time to listen to us, okay? Even though sometimes we might feel like God isn't listening, he is listening. There are times when God will be silent, but that doesn't mean that he's not there. It also does not mean that he's not listening to us. So God does listen to us, right? And the way the way that we know this is because if you if you begin to have a constant prayer this is a constant conversation that you're having with the lord god is going to communicate back with you so whenever you feeling doubtful or you having unbelief or you're feeling these um spurts of uncertainty or hopelessness or despair just god it just ask god to help you overcome the despair say god let me overcome the despair let me overcome this hopelessness let me overcome this unbelief god so that's what we have to be getting into the habit of doing you know um so you have to understand that everyone isn't going to have the same motive for your life as you know some do some people have great motives for you and some people they do not they have a motive that is not sent by god they have a motive that is sent by the enemy satan the devil and his the adversaries right so the way that we can overcome 
these type of motives that is brought to us by other people, you have to first be able to say, look, okay. Now it wasn't the, the disciples fault because they really didn't know that this kind would can only come out by prayer. Okay. But they were still unbelieving. So that doubting unbelief can rub off on you. You have to understand that we are always living in a time of influence. This is always influence, influence, influence. People are influencing you either directly or indirectly. So it's, it's imperative that we focus on the things that allow us to, you know, have faith, hope, and the things that keeps us overcomers in life not under in life, not the things that put us under in life. So having that doubt and unbelief causes us to be put under. But if you, you have a way to communicate with God, and so all you have to do is say, God, allow me to overcome this unbelief that I'm having. God, allow me not to worry because this worry is a sin. I it was worrying. God, did that's a sin. So let's not do that, right? We shouldn't be doing those things. God wants us to excel. So let's focus on excelling. And anytime you're feeling anything at all, make sure you ask God to reinvent it, to change it, to help you overcome, to help you, you know, out of the situation that you're going through. God, let your name be glorified in this situation. Give me comfort at this time, God. I need you, God. I'm hurt about this or my feelings is hurt about this. I'm, you know, like whatever it is that you're experiencing. It's all about communicating with the Lord. Okay. Um, so let's go to first Corinthians six and 15. Now I want to say this. So yesterday, um, yesterday I was kind of upset, right? I was upset about some things. Um, someone that I know that was close to me kind of, kind of betrayed me and they betrayed the, my trust. And so with my trust being portrayed, betrayed, I was just feeling like, oh, wow. I just, I couldn't believe it. I was in, I was speechless. Right. And so, um, I guess I was feeling some type of way. And then all of a sudden I got these, like, I got upset. I was upset. And so I had to go and um, go talk to the person face to face. I had to have a conversation face to face. And so I wanted to talk about just having these connections to the wrong type of people will, it's like, um, uh, it will cause you to experience um, bad communication. So let me, let me go to that scripture before I read this one. And so I talked about this the other day. Um, go to 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. It says, be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. So when, some, when you know that a person is wrong, this is what I learned from the situation. When you know that a person is wrong and you know that you have been betrayed, it's really no purpose of having communication 
Um, the reason why I'm saying this is because some people, they have an extreme high level of deceptive practice. They have deceptive practice. They have evil communication. They're lying about all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, they, they flat out blatantly lie in your face. Okay. And then they'll make themselves look like they are the victim or something. And really, in fact, they are not. So evil communication corrupts good manners. So if you know that this person has betrayed you or this person has lied multiple times and you've caught them in lies, it's like, well, wait, what communication levels do you need to have with them? So I had someone recently, they asked me, well, if a person does something, don't you want to understand why they're doing it? So for me, I think that that should apply in certain situations. For instance, let me explain. If you are going out here, stealing out of a store, no one wants to understand why you're doing it. I know I don't need to understand why you're doing that. If you are going out here and you are committing infidelity, I don't need to understand why you're doing it. I know why you're doing it. It's a spirit that is leading you to do that. It's your decision to accept the desires of your flesh to consume you in a way where now you've been driven by your flesh. So I don't need to probe further because any probing further into that, that means that a person is going to continue to talk about stances and positions that'll support their ideology of infidelity or support their ideology of stealing. So probing further only leads to a person supporting their stance on whatever wrong it is. So it's really meaningless, right? What I'm trying to say here is that we just need to let go of some communication. That's what God showed me. Some things are not even worth speaking about. It is very much worth prayer. So that's what I did. Even though I was like upset because I was. Because like I don't like to talk about how I used to act um, because that's not who I am. But if I do talk about it, I talk about it in a way to glorify God out of it. God has changed my life. I am no longer my old self. I am a new person, a new creation in Christ. So my old ideologies, I don't have all of those ideologies anymore like the way that I used to. For instance, I used to believe in having, um, uh, you know, sharing sexual partners, right, in the bed. Uh, so I would do a lot of different things that, you know, supported fornication efforts, not, you know, not just with a man, but also with women. Okay. And so that was something that I would, you know, like really have in my life on a regular basis sometimes when I felt like it and sometimes when I didn't feel like it. So it was really about what I would want it and when I didn't want it. So I wouldn't deal with it when I didn't want to. And I did when I wanted to. Um, my attitude, I would always, if I, if I'm going to fight, I'm going to fight somebody. It didn't matter what size you are. It doesn't matter about your height. It doesn't matter about your weight. It doesn't matter about any of that. That's not, I didn't care about things like that. 
So when I think about, you know, how God has changed me and I think about how I'm not that way anymore, because I did have like a extreme uh, attraction to women, but I knew that I couldn't, you know, be married to a woman. That's not something that is honored by God. The head of every in, in First Corinthians chapter eleven, um, verses First Corinthians eleven three, it says that the head of every woman is man, and the head of every man, I'm sorry, the yes, the head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So it doesn't say the head of every woman is is woman, or the head of every man is man. It says it specifically. So I could not do that. And so that means that God wants us to maintain a certain level of sexual control. We, we are supposed to control ourselves. You don't be driven by your desires. God does not want us driven by desires. So what I've learned is just in this small period of time is that certain communication is unwarranted. It's meaningless because if you're having conversations with people who are going to support their stance and lying, they're going to support their stance and being deceitful. They're going to support their stance in the wrong and evil. They're going to support evil. So why communicate about it? So, it's okay to talk about certain things, but not too much to the point where you're you're drawing this back and forth conversation. You're speaking the word of God. They're constantly wanting to speak about other things. So evil communication can corrupt good manners if you are coming from a good place in a good space. Like, okay, I'm I'm trying to have this conversation to, you know, like clarify some things. I want to know, what did you mean in that text? I didn't read it. I wanted to talk to you face to face. So I want to know, what did you mean in that text? What did you mean in that? I didn't look at this. Okay. So explain to me your thinking so that I can understand your mindset. If you explain to me the way you think, I can understand your mind. So I think that when we are communicating in a way where it is like a disruptive type of communication, um, those type of communication efforts will tend to corrupt good manners. Because now you're going to, if someone is screaming at you, you're gonna scream back at them. You don't, we don't have to mimic that. We could let those conversations go. We don't need to be deceived by it. And the reason why this, the word, it says be not, deceived is because once you start communicating in that way it's going to take you back to that old place it's going to take you back to how you did use evil communication with people right how you did get aggressive in a way where you just you know get body with a person so you don't want to do those things it's so it's important just to let it go don't even have those don't make time for conversations like that. So I, I simply said, I'm not going to make time for this type of discussion. I'm not gonna make time for it. So 
you know um that's important to understand on our journey and on our walk in righteousness god doesn't want us beckering uh with people over things that are just evil you know if they lie it's wrong if they betray you it's wrong it's it's not it's not good it's evil so just understand why are you wanting to have an in-depth discussion about these evil attributes it's no reason to right so just don't let it corrupt you we have to maintain our you know um the qualities that god is instilled in us so we have to maintain it and then and once we maintain it then it is going to be intrinsically like a part of our personality our character it'll be normalized we'll be equipped with the good qualities of god those things that are good and pure and of good report right so let's go to um first corinthians chapter 6 verses 15 through 16 it says do you not know that your bodies are members of christ shall i then take the members of christ and make them members of a prostitute never or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her for as it is written the two will become one flesh so i want to talk about this because soul ties is so important now i know i've been talking about um uh what is it doing some journaling exercising walking and getting some sunlight so these are things that will allow you to be active but think about the things that don't allow you to be active sometimes some some women are sleeping with men who are like prostitutes too you know they they will sleep with women just to have money in their pocket or they will sleep with a woman just to have a home to live in men do the same thing as women do sometimes in the the 20th century right so we have to all understand that what God wants us to be focused on is our lifestyle, our behavior, and the things that we allow ourselves to engage in significantly can impact our life either positively or negatively. And here's why. If you're communicating and having evil communication, then that evil communication can corrupt your good manners meaning that now instead of you sitting up here being faithful to your wife now you want to go and sleep with a prostitute because your friends thinks that it's okay to have this woman or that woman you know so women who basically a prostitute is a woman that want money or services for something sexual and in, in return and so you have to understand that is that is any person that if you going to spend money on this woman to sleep with her then that is a prostitute so i want to define what a prostitute is because i think that some people kind of like don't understand what a prostitute is because they say that they are not when in fact that is a behavior of a prostitute so if you are sleeping with a man because you you wanting to you know have him buy you this house or buy you a car then that's a prostitute you only are dating this person for the financial gain of something that you can obtain when that is what a prostitute 
I'm not putting a level on the type of prostitute it is. It's a prostitute. So, like, I know that for me, I never dated a man because of his money. Ever. So, like, if you have money, that's good. But if you don't, that's still okay. That means that we could put our minds together and we could build and we'll make money together. I don't want to be with a man because of what he can offer me financially. So that isn't something that is a benefiting factor for me. But there are many women in the world that are like that. And there's also many men in the world that are like that. But those are prostitutes. Whenever you are receiving a financial gain for a sexual favor, or you're in a relationship only because you want what this person can financially provide, that is a prostitute. So that could be, you know, a person like, okay, well, I just, you know, if it wasn't for you having this money, I wouldn't be with you. That is a prostitute. It doesn't matter if, if he just either going to buy you McDonald's or he going to buy you a Porsche. That's a prostitute. If he going to go buy you marijuana or he's going to go buy you a house. It doesn't matter if you're only with that person for financial reasons. That is a prostitute. You don't provide sexual favors in exchange for financial gain. And so there are so many women that really do talk like this. They say, oh, well, the man, you got to have some money. Or I'm not dealing with you. You know, that's a prostitute. So what God is saying here, he's saying, look, don't be joined to a prostitute because if you do, you become one body with her. That means that all of the people that she slept with, including all of those people that 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 person slept with, it's now conjoined together. So just think about all of the waste that comes from the characters of those people. And that, when I say waste, I mean their personality waste. They're, they're the garbage, the debris that is in their personality. You know, you could say one person, if one person slept with five people that five people that one person slept with 10 that's just think about it so let's look at i want to look at a video that um talks about uh soul ties i meant to go to youtube give me one second here Okay. One moment.
Okay, so I'm going to, I think I'm going to play this video. Um, but the reason why I would like to talk about this is because when you think about being positive, many times when you're doing things alone, right, you can either be idle or you can be active. You, instead of you doing some journaling, you might want to think about your ex and go and have sex with your ex, right? Instead of you doing some exercising and walking and getting you some sunlight, instead, now you just thinking about, you know, like how you going to bounce back from your last boyfriend and get you a new boyfriend. So it's important to reinvent the wheel by making sure that instead of you attaching yourself to additional soul tasks, that you're focusing on the things that matters most. And that is improving your life, improving yourself. So do some journaling, do some exercising, do some walking and get you some sunlight. And here's how we're going to, this, this is how you break soul tasks. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go back to that scripture, but I want to look at this video and I also want to go over some of the signs of um what it means to break a soul tie so let me pull up this video here hold on you're still purchasing your lenses from your optometrist what are you doing come on and i hope everybody can hear the glory that is 1-800 contacts it's quick affordable easy to use i can order contacts in five what up, everybody? This is your boy, Jonathan Evans. Listen, I'm excited because today we're talking about soul ties. Let's get into it. Yo, listen to me now. I know this is a big topic that a lot of people have gotten caught up in, that a lot of people have experienced, and that is soul ties. When you're tied to someone, your soul is tied to that person and you recognize that now is the time where you realize that it's time to get away. It wasn't the right choice. You need to make a break. You need to make a run. You need to move in a different direction. And that's when you actually come to the realization that you have a soul tie with that person because you're not able to pull away. You keep going back to something that your mind and your heart, the spirit of God is telling you this is not right. This is not where God wants you, but you are caught. Galatians 1 talks about being caught in sin or being caught in a situation that you don't want to be caught in. And you're stuck in that situation because it's only when you try to get away that you realize you can't get away. You realize that you're actually caught up in a soul tie with a person that is not your soul mate. That's not the person that God wants you to be with or the situation that you need to be in and soul ties a lot of times have to do with our relationship that we have with the person not just mentally not just emotionally not just from a purpose perspective not just from a feelings perspective but also from a sexual perspective that a lot of times we're tied in a knot with someone not just because we like them or just because we love them even though that's part of it but it's also biology. We've had a sexual relationship with him and God has so wired a covenant. God has so wired covenantal connection through sexual relation that when we have sexual relationship with someone, our body actually releases oxytocin, which is a hormone that bonds you to that person. 
Because when God created sexual relationship, he created that consummation and that covenantal connection to be a bonding agent. The final bonding agent or activity that happens that says this is where we're going to be. And this is where we're going to stay. I mean, God has so wired our bodies for the covenant that he has created called marriage. And the way that he has created it and the way that he has designed it is for us to not ever have to get untied. It's for us to not ever have to tear away. It's for us to stay with the person that we have covenanted with, not just from a commitment perspective, not just from a relational perspective, but also from a God covenantal perspective when it is consummated through sexual relationship. And when that bonding agent is released, when oxytocin is released, God has so wired our bodies that we do, we should not have to ever get untied from the top. Okay, so I want to look up the um look up this hormone oxytocin. So oxytocin is basically uh it is a peptide hormone and neuropeptide normally produced in the hypothalamus and released by the posterior pituitary. So this is hypothalamus is in your brain and your hypothalamus it impacts how you feel it impacts your emotions right so you have your prefrontal cortex here then you have um uh what is it's another one um your basically your hypothalamus is a part of your emotions and so it your pituitary is like the gland that balances your hormones it balances your um your emotions and your feelings about things so when we look at this, I want to look at a more the love hormone. That's what Harvard Harvard Health is calling it. The love hormone. So going to this article with um healthharvard.edu, it talks about um why that's I'm waiting on this to pull up. So oxy oxytocin can help us bond with loved ones and can be released through touch, music, and exercise. So it is a hormone that's produced in the hypothalamus and released into the bloodstream by the pituitary gland. So like I said, the pituitary gland is basically like it controls all of the hormones in your body. So if something happens with your pituitary gland, it'll disrupt the hormones. It'll also disrupt your entire feeling, emotions, and everything else. So its main function is to facilitate facilitate childbirth, which is one of the reasons it's called the love drug or love hormone. So oxytocin, like endorphins or serotonin, is a type of hormone in your body that promotes positive feelings. So like I said, it is attached to like your feelings, your emotions. It can affect your uh, mental health. It can give you relaxation. You will have trust. You have uh, psychological stability for the person. It can also increase... Um, certain symptoms right if you have too much oxytocin um that is released in your blood you can have postpartum depression you can have symptoms of depression um you know like uh, different things like that so just a little uh overview from harvard health publishing uh, medical school and that was an article that was written by howard e lewine medical doctor he was a, a chief medical editor for harvard health publishing okay all right, so now going back to the video, I'm going to let him finish up. That has been 
developed in the relationship. Listen, that's why it gets so hard. That's why the first person that you have sexual relationship with normally is the hardest to ever break away from because that's when the most oxytocin is released the first time you have sexual relation because that first time is supposed to be the only the last time as it relates to the person that you're going to be with because from a covenant perspective it is consummated through the sexual relationship which is why a woman bleeds on the man because covenants in the Bible were sealed in blood. Jesus shed his blood. That is the new covenant, which means you cannot be separated from him. The spiritual oxytocin is released when his blood was shed and you accept it and received. You received the sacrifice that Jesus made. The spiritual oxytocin is released and we nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's what the Bible says. And when you look at sexual relationship, there's there's nothing that's supposed to be able to separate you from that covenant. And so physical oxytocin is released because in the spiritual realm, when Jesus sacrificed for us and shed that blood to make us recipients of the new covenant, there's nothing that can separate us. So the sexual relation and the spiritual relation are tied in harmony with one another. That's why when you try to separate from the person that you have become one with through sexual relationship, it's tough. This is what it feels like, doesn't it? It's tearing. It tears you apart to leave that person. To go in a different direction. Because you were one. And you realize I moved too soon. You realize I didn't do it right. This is not the person that God has for me. I moved on a covenant and became one. The oxytocin was released. I bonded to that person before I made a commitment before God. Now I realized I moved too quick and now I have to move on. It's not right, but you're bonded. And that thing is hard to break. And most people, they separate and they want to come back together and they want to, they want to take lives. No, it doesn't work out. And, and then they, and then they, they, they have to do it again and again. And it keeps happening because you're trying to separate from something that was never supposed to have to separate. A lot of people don't realize in Genesis 2, the physical is the last thing you see in that chapter. Adam and Eve, Adam was put in the garden. He was in God's presence. He was cultivating. He was called to keep. He was naming the animals. Then God brought Eve and um, said that this is your suitable helpmate. Easier connecto is the word. Essential collaborator in the garden that they were cultivating purpose and destiny. All of those things were in place. Then you get to the last part of Genesis 2. And it moves through all of that. This is why a man shall leave and cleave and all of these different things that it talks about. And... Uh, be joined to his wife watch this and the two shall become one flesh they were naked and unashamed those are the last two verses in the chapter because that's what you end with 
Once you have the commitment, you have your wife, your husband, you have the purpose, the destiny, the calling, the cultivation, the keeping. You're in God's presence. Eden was the presence of God. All of that was taking place. It ended with the consummation. It didn't start with the consummation. It didn't start with the sexual relation. It didn't start with the two becoming one flesh, being naked and unashamed. That's not the place where it started because you don't release the oxytocin up front. You don't go straight to the covenantal bonding agent or the, 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 the covenantal uh, connection. You don't start with that. A lot of people get in relationship. Ooh, you cute. I like you. All that kind of stuff there. And after a little while, not long, especially in our culture, Boom. They covenant. Sexual relationship. And they keep doing it. And keep doing it. And keep doing it. The spiritual realm and the physical realm. Releasing something. And then they realize as they keep doing it and tying this knot. Oh, wait a minute. This isn't right. We need to we need to go in a different direction. And the more you tie it and the tighter you tie it, and it's hard to pull that thing apart because it was never meant to come apart. That's why God created us that way. What God is saying to us is simple. Yes, you have the connection. I need you to think about your destiny. I need you to think about your legacy, honoring God being in my presence. I need you to do that while you're single. Adam was single. There was a lot that he was doing before his woman ever came around. And when she came around, she was easier connigdo, essential collaborator, destiny, garden, God's presence, cultivation, keeping, all of those things. She became his wife. Then the two became one flesh. And the goal of that is at the end of it all. You don't have to try to take it apart. Because that's the way it was meant to be. So I'm glad for me and Kanika, we decided we dated for three years. We never had sex or sexual relationship because we knew. Nah. We're not going to tie this soul in covenant to have to tear it apart. We're going to find out if this is where God wants me to be. Mm-hmm. And once I find out this is where God wants me to be, then I'm going to do it the way Jesus did for us. Full commitment, full covenant, and nothing will separate us. Now, I know some of you may be wondering, well, Jesus, I'm already in it. I've done it before. I'm already in it now. I'm trying to separate. Like I'm trying to go in a different direction. God is calling me. I want to do this differently. I've already messed up. How do I get out of a soul tie? (laughs) There's no magic potion to that one. Galatians 6.1 talks about being caught in sin. If someone is caught in sin, then a brother is born for a time of adversity. Iron sharpens iron. Bear one another's burdens. You need to be honest with the people who are godly people in your life who you can say, listen, I'm in a soul tie. 
I, it's hard for me to get out. I know that I need to go in a different direction. People have been telling you he or she ain't the one, but you can't take the advice that you know is right and move on because you're tied with that person simply because of how God created it. We, you and I, we just do it wrong and get ourselves caught up. And it's going to take prayer. It's going to take total separation. Almost as if one addicted to a drug has to go to total rehab, total disconnection, total community, total opposite direction, total prayer, total submission to God's word. And to let him renew your mind, renew your heart. And give you the time that the locusts have taken away. You need to find community. You need to have your prayer life right. You need to get into the scriptures as it relates to your dependency on God. Being caught in a situation, temptation, all of those different things. And have people that can check you in your life until the wound begins to heal. It takes time. It's hard when the knot is this tight. It takes time when it's that tight. It takes a whole lot of time to get it out. And sometimes you have to use little needles to try to get in there to get that knot out. You need to take that time. You need to take that time to let God work on your heart. To let God work on your mind, your emotions, your mental health. From therapy to friends to faith. But it is not a slow band-aid pull. It's, I've got to separate and you've got to take the time to heal in the right place in God's presence and let his power presence through prayer overtake you with God's people. You cannot do it alone. It's not magic sauce, not magic potion, but you can do it. And then the next time you do it the, the right way. You tie that knot never to be untied. When that oxytocin is released, it's because you're already somebody's wife or you're already somebody's husband. And you're saying, now it's time to continue in this garden God's way. Let's do it. Listen, be steadfast, unmovable, always abound in the work of the Lord and know that it will not go in vain. Listen, tough subject. I know you might be going through it. Walk with people. Uh, let people walk with you. It's hard, but it's worth it. And then we got to do it the right way, the way God intended it in order so that we can be tied and never come untied like the gospel does for us. Listen, like, share, subscribe, ring the bell because, you know, someone needs this message and let's continue to grow together. All right, let's do it next time. So that was just an amazing, amazing reflection on breaking soul ties right so it's important for us to what make sure that when we're releasing the oxytocin that it's going to be with our husband or going to be with your wife right um so breaking soul ties is something that can be very difficult to do so i wanted to also now kind of um shift and talk about what are soul ties and how do you break them so this is from the experts, some experts here. This is on um, mindbodygreen.com. 
And so this is a relationship, spirituality and relationships uh, expert, Sarah Regan. So this is an article that was published on spirituality in April of 2021. It talks about what are soul ties and how do you break them? We ask the experts. So from soulmates to twin flames, um, there are all sorts of different relationships. So a soul tie is a connection with someone deeply embedded into your soul. Basically, a certified sex therapist, DeAndrea Blaylock Johnson, licensed clinical social worker, tells um, Mind Body Green uh, that often it's thought to happen after you have intercourse with someone. She also adds that it is often presented from a very cisgender or heteronormative perspective. So I don't know what, what the cisgender is, but I know that heteronormative is like heterosexual type of perspective or relationship. So that would be a relationship between a man and a woman. Um, so the idea that intercourse causes a soul tie has roots in the Christian tradition. Yes, it does. So to perpetrate the idea that if you have sex outside of marriage, you'll be connected to someone. But she goes on to say that soul ties, at least in regards to sex, are really attachments in disguise and an over-spiritualization of normal feelings. And so this is basically like the uh, secular perspective of what they believe um, soul ties are. So in fact, they're still denying the spiritual um, aspect that the Christian tradition do try to um, formulate this perspective that it is a soul tie. Okay, um, not just a attachment in disguise. All right, as the author puts it, as an over spiritualization of normal feelings. So, uh, continuing on here, um, so oxytocin is released during orgasm, right? So, this is done during orgasm. So, not all sexual partners go on to feel emotionally bonded to each other after the experience. This can happen if there is casual dating or you have friends with benefits type of situations. And this is something that is taking place in the world. So um, they talk about uh, these soul ties are you can feel connected on a deeper level. So you have these type of profound feelings of a, of a person, right? And um, the feelings are like so connected where you, you do not want to disconnect from that person. Um, also, they have uh, elicit strong reactions from you. So a lot of times what they say to you can impact you more so uh, greater than anyone else, right? Three, um, they feel familiar with you. So they're going to be able to tell you what a lot of your feelings are. Sometimes they can finish your speech for you. That's a soul tie. The fourth one is you may feel like they complete you. So just being around that person is so like, okay, well, I'm so happy. I feel good. And now we can watch some TV or do this and do that. You know, um, these are all like secular type of feelings, though. Um, your relationship feels unique or one of a kind, right? And so when you are having these um fornications and these relationships, these sexual relationships, it's like that person is going to be like what um, Jonathan was talking about. You're going to feel inseparable to that person. And then when you try to break apart, it's going to be difficult to break apart. So um, the sixth thing is that they showed up at a significant time in your life. So perhaps this person showed up where you needed some help or healing. You you were vulnerable. So you have vulnerability, right? 
And so now they there to just capture the moment and take you out of that pain or uh, previous situation. And now you feel like you have been elevated out of a problem that you were in before. So sometimes these soul ties can generate a falsy sense that you are now like redeemed. Okay. Um, as part of your feelings, um, it feel like, you know, it feel like you're missing something that they are not in your life. And so that's the soul tie. So soul ties can sometimes be one-sided where people feel that their partners make them complete and the other, the, the latter do not. They, they like to have more of their individuality, you know, um, breaking soul ties can be difficult. So some people outgrow uh, friendships, they outgrow their relationship. So they don't place that much importance on it anymore. And some, some people do. So in order to be able to kind of like uh, break these soul ties, you, you, you don't want to have that connection. And so I agree with um, Jonathan uh, Evans on this, like basically completely having complete total separation being able to like um share a faith community with people um that can help you and make you accountable for things you know that is how you break soul ties otherwise those soul ties will stay prominent in your life so you want to um maybe just sit back and have prayer with god you not like what this article is talking about i wouldn't recommend a lot of this article but i did like some of the the points that they made the different um uh the identifying marks to identify if you were you have a soul tie with someone so that that's good it's it's okay to take uh the it's okay to take the positives and discard all of the negative ones okay and so i i say it's negative simply because i don't agree with doing some of the meditations that they have on here okay so if we're gonna meditate we need to meditate on god's word there in and they out because see and so god wants us to be able to excel and the way that we excel is um you know by having god in our life so we need to meditate on his word not on the other type of meditation so just looking here um i, I really enjoyed the way jonathan evans talked about the soul tie so we we need to be able to break completely and separate ourselves so i wanted to go back to first corinthians 6 through 15. so it does tell you do you know that your bodies are members of christ so about us being members of christ we should not join ourselves with prostitutes like i said there are women out here that really really just will sleep with a, a man or sleep with a woman just for financial gains okay um but that doesn't mean that it's it's okay god doesn't want us to do that um so let me, it's another scripture that I wanted to look at too. Okay. It should be in Corinthians. It's in Romans. Uh, oh, it's in Romans and it's in Corinthians. Let me see if I can put it up. 
I'll go to Romans chapter 7. Okay, so let's I want to look at I want to look at two of these main scriptures here. Okay. That's not what I was trying to find. Okay, so I want to go to Romans chapter 7. And I want to go to, um, I want to go to, uh, chapter seven, Romans seven, seven. It says, what shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. So the law gives us information. It, it isn't like the law is obsolete. What happens is Jesus Christ died on the cross for the atonement of our sins. And so he provides us salvation. So we're no longer under the law, but we receive the salvation of Christ. Understand that? So the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That is the law. That's what we would find the law. So what this scripture is saying, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law has had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, ceasing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Um, once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. So I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin. Hold on. For sin, ceasing the opportunity afforded the commandment, deceived me and through the commandment put me in death. So then the law was holy and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about death, so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. So we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm un unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I do, for I, what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. So this is, this is going to war with self. It's like, okay, you want to do what's right. 
But if you do what's right, can you continue to do what's right and think that it's okay to do what is right? But then Paul is saying, look, I, I do what I want to do. I I do. I, I He says, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. So the things that he dislikes doing are the things that he do. So for instance, some people may do the things that they don't want to do. They now, instead of them having a wife, they just still with the same woman that they've attached to themselves to. That isn't bringing them about any type of progress or help in their lives. So they do the things that they hate to do by staying in situations that they dislike doing. So people stay in relationships because they do what they really don't want to do. Because they're connected and they have these ties and these soul ties to, to what they're doing. Right? So what he's saying is, look, I, I do... Uh, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I, I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. So he can agree that the law is good when he do what he wants to do. It is, it, as it is no longer himself, but it is sin living in him. For he know that good itself does not dwell in, in me, that it is in his sinful nature. So, so we have... The sinful nature that is already in us. Our sinful nature tells us, okay, it's okay to fornicate. Well, you know that God know that we all going to fornicate. No, that's your sinful nature talking. That's your flesh talking. Right? Those are your desires that are speaking through you. So God wants us not to be that way. You know, it's saying here, look, that, that is the sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. It's like, yes, you want to do what's good. You don't want to argue with people, but you end up arguing. You don't want to gossip, but you end up gossiping. You don't want to argue with your boss, but you end up debating with your boss. And so now you're having these problems because it's like, well, wait a minute. That's the sinful nature. Good is good itself is in you, but you have to say, okay, am I going to allow the sinful nature to dominate my, the good that's in me, or am I going to allow the good that's in me to dominate the sinful nature? Because see, the sinful nature wants to appease and please its own desires at which that if that includes fornication, that desire will be fulfilled because the sinful nature wants to pursue and accomplish his goals. So, wait, for I do not do good, I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. He's saying that the evil, he just keep on doing evil over and over again, even though he don't want to do it. So, like, it's like, you don't want to fornicate, but you end up fornicating. Wants to do, that you keep on doing. So now if I do what I now if I do what I, I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So it's like we have to check our wants. Is your want in alignment with what God wants for you? 
And uh, like we may look at this as something being so small because it has been normalized in society. And this is something that is automatic that people are doing. So it's like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Um, This is what I'm going to do. And so that's what they do. So it's the evil that is lurking within a person that allows them to keep carrying out and fulfilling the desires of the sinful nature. The sinful nature wants to accomplish its sinful goals. And so that's what the sinful nature does. It accomplishes its goals. So in verse 21, it says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin and work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I my, myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. So for instance, like if I had a problem in my old life, like in how it was, I didn't have a problem with fighting anybody. Like I said, it doesn't matter about your height, your weight class, what, you know, the, none of that. And that's how I was. I think I pretty much will fight anybody. And that's how I was. And so God changed my mind. God changed my life. I no longer am bold for the things of my own justifications. I'm bold for Christ. And I just, it's a continuing growth process. So I've noticed that, you know, like I have to stay away, steer myself clear from that evil type of communication. I don't like having communication that is going to be supporting lies, betrayal, gossip, those type of tendencies is not going to ignite any type of positivity. We want to be engaged in a lifestyle that is congruent to the things that God has for us, the things that God wants for us. And so it just, it can't continue to be the things that our desires are. Don't allow the desires of the flesh to dictate the moments of righteousness that God wants you to have. God wants you to have moments of righteousness. He wants you to live your life in righteousness. God wants you to have moments of goodness. And, and God wants you to incorporate all of the good things. God is good. God is the truth. So we should be embracing those things. So um, I wanted to go back to, to this here. So if we're looking here on doing some journaling, exercising, walking, and getting sunlight, that should be the focus. Don't allow your focus to be so idle 
that now you're going to go and you're going to have soul ties with a new person. Or you're going to go have souls, a stronger soul tie with your ex. Or you're going to have a soul tie with, you know, multiple people. You don't want to do those type of things. So instead, focus on some positive things that will help you improve your lifestyle and help you improve your life. Those are journaling, exercising, walking, and getting sunlight. So I wanted to go to, um, let's go to Luke 22 and 53. Is that Luke 22 and 53? I have a completely different scripture up there for that. So I guess I did not separate these. I'm going to have to separate them. So hold on, let me take this off. So I, I do this in a minute. Okay, so I removed that. Now let me see if I could re-add this. So I'm going to go to Luke 22 and Okay, so Luke 22 and 53. It says, Every day I was with you in the temple course and you did not lay a hand on me, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. So the enemy has a certain amount of time to be able to tempt you and, and to be able to reign, right? Um... And so we see here that the religious Pharisees did not bother Jesus up until it was their hour where that was their darkness hour, their, their hour of darkness, their time of darkness to reign. So they could do whatever they wanted during that time. So you have to understand that the enemy, yes, does have the ability to do certain things, but we have a reaction and we have behavior to those things. And so God wants us to be able to do things in a way where we're responding through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us dominance. If we authorize the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will allow us to dominate every situation god allows us to dominate in this world so if we are going to be able to do that we can overcome darkness we overcome darkness with light so we can't give in to the enemy never So um, I'm going to move forward here, even though my screen has completely went blank. 
go figure god please allow it to come back up i'm not sure what happened lord god overcome these technological problems in the name of jesus christ amen so i have it pulled up on my other screen it's fine so um going forward now we're gonna look at the fourth bullet on staying positive is do things alone in your spare time go out to eat go bike riding watch some christian movies listen to some christian music okay um let's look at this scripture here first corinthians 10 and 31 first corinthians 10 and 31 So whether whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So that's what God wants us to do, right? I, I'm so sometimes I'm just very I'm a very picky eater. So when it comes to like certain foods, I don't eat pork. Um, and it's I don't really like red meat, but I will eat it. Um, you know I'm, I'm really trying to readjust some of my eating habits. But what I'm saying here is. What this scripture is saying to us, what it does, whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. So I can tell that like God is reshaping my heart. God is reshaping my life from my experiences and the things that I've endured. It's like God is really reshaping me. God has reshaped what is been broken and shattered. So the more and more I focus on the glory of God, the more it allows me to give God more authority in my life. See, we have to understand that God doesn't force us to give him the authority. God does not make us robotic. He allows us to choose him, voluntary, not involuntary. And the way that we do that is just giving God access to everything. We give God the authority. God, we we call upon the name of the Lord. We invite God into our heart to change us. We include God in our choices and in our decisions. So being able to include God in our choices and decisions will allow us to have so let me let me um read some stuff that i had wrote last night um here's what i wrote the internal cry can be harder than the external cry with tears maintaining composure with internal cries feels like pain full of hurt that rips the inside of one's heart. With God, he turns that heart of hurt into making you feel relief, assured, and secure. God makes us feel like he is going to be reliable forever because he is always so trustworthy. 
isn't it amazing that God maintains integrity no matter what? Isn't that amazing? So I noticed that like when I'm open for God, I'm really open. And so what I mean by that is God will give me like teary eyed and I will really, I will cry. Sometimes I have like external physical cry where it's come down, tears are running down my face. But when you have that eternal cry, it feels like pain that's like it's an eternal cry that the tears can't come out. It's just there. It's on the inside. I was feeling this internal, internal um pain and this internal cry with my son. So my son is my son is he left, and um, we was going through some things yesterday in the past few days, and um, he hasn't really been like his normal self. You know what I mean by that is like, um, you know, when you grow up and you feel like you know everything because it's like, this is what I want to do. Um, but I, I've, I've always kind of felt like his dad has been trying to dictate my household since I haven't been with him. I have not been with him since probably about 2008, 2009. Although we physically like, uh, like separated in 2009. We divorced in 2013, um, but we were always co-parenting very well together uh, during that time of separation. And so it's it's kind of been like a rough process. My ex-husband has certain ideologies that is in line with the will of God. And so it's it's kind of difficult being able to have you know, um, a perspective of a godly perspective. And then you have this worldly perspective. And now it's like going back and forth in the mind of a emerging adult. And so like, I, I felt like outside influences have sort of been a major impact or a significant impact in our walk with Christ as a family unit. And in order for us to be able to be fully, you know, enthused spiritually, we have to maintain our support levels with God and reading the word, studying the word. So me and my children, we do study the word. Um, we don't do it as often as we used to. But with my, with my youngest, I, we normally always study the word and read the Bible. And so it's, it's kind of like, you feel like your child is lost in a world um that is in a world that is cold because this is a cold world that we live in but when we have when we take god on our journey in life we can learn how to be more efficient and effective as we live him and society regardless of whatever's going on when we have God in our life, God will never leave us or God will never forsake us. So I know that I'm not the only parent that is going through these type of experiences. So my son, um, 
I, I really don't want to put too much of his business out there, but I'm going to say that, you know, uh, he, he got a tattoo from somebody. They gave him a tattoo and, um, the person who gave him the tattoo also did not get my permission or like his dad permission. And the person lied to me and said that they did get his dad permission, which in fact he didn't. So, like, I don't really know who to believe on this. But I know one thing's for sure. I know that we serve a God that's able to do overly, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or even think or imagine. And so I know that no matter what is going on in my child's life, I know that I could trust God. I know that I could trust the process for which God is leading my children. So I'm a mother that's in constant prayer and I go against, I go against spiritual warfare that is against us. And I have victory because I pray to God and I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit. So God reveals things to me. But I want to let you know that sometimes it could just take a moment where you are allowing your children to just be around the wrong person. To influence them in any type of way. And I'm not saying that my kids are easily influenced. No, everyone isn't always easily influenced. But we are all influenced. We are influenced by the clothes that we wear, the cars that we drive, the homes that we live in, the neighborhood that we choose the jobs we choose to, to keep. Everyone is influenced by something. If it wasn't so, you wouldn't have marketers spending hundreds of thousands, some companies spend millions of dollars on advertising every year to influence you as a consumer to purchase their products. So if influence wasn't something that is a major benefiting factor then it wouldn't be that much investments in marketing. So it would be a foolish ideology to think that we are all not being influenced. When in fact, everyone is being influenced. You're influenced by the time you even born. There are a set of all sorts of influences that are being purchased for you products and toys and everything else by the time a, a kid is one years old they've went through hundreds of dollars worth of toys on average so yes it has been a difficult process but i can say one thing for sure that anyone that promotes negativity anyone that promotes lies and deceit that person is not from god so no we cannot control what other people do but we do have within our means to pray so we can access the tools that god has given us we can use what is available. We can utilize 
the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit to rebuke demons and devils, to rebuke evil spirits. We have the ability to pray. We have the ability to pray together. So I don't care who I'm praying with. When I'm when we're in prayer together, we're going to be in prayer to God. So we're going to come from an authentic place. Because if I'm praying with you, thank you. Thank you so much for the love. I appreciate that. That's one of my prayer partners right there. Thank you. So we just have to support each other and understand that we need to be appropriating our time in the places where it's needed the most. So whether whatever it is that you do, this scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 31 is saying, whether you eat or drink or whatever it is that you do, do it for the glory of God. And so, yes, I had a conversation with this person and I was talking about the tattoo, but it's, it's a lot more to this story than I'm sharing. But I, I just really would like to say that it's um it's so it's equally important to maintain our communication. We need to maintain communication efforts in a way where we're using that energy to make time for prayer, not make time for the problem, not make time to focus on the problem. We're making time to commune with God. We're making time for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. We're making ourselves available to pray with the next person about what's going on in their life. Those things are memorable. Those things are what God will want us to be doing. So um, let's go to Matthew 28 and 20. It says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So, you know, we all come from a place where we made mistakes. And failure isn't a permanent condition. It's a temporary one. Failure is opportunity. It allows us the ability to change the things that we need to change in order for us to be better, in order for us to be improved, our improved selves. I sometimes, I feel like I have failed tremendously. Specifically when it comes to certain things. I felt like I failed. But one thing about failure is, is that I've learned that failure isn't always going to be the same. So if I fail at level one, that means I'm not going to repeat the same failures at levels two and three that I did at level one. My failures at levels two and three isn't going to be repeated at levels five and six. Because guess what? Each time 
that I try, I'm improving and not repeating the same failure. So I've learned how to make choices that can bring about different outcomes and different results. But sometimes it, it, it was hard for me to deal with the failures. It's like, okay, how can I compensate what I didn't have time to do? What, how can I compensate for the loss of this time? How can I compensate? How can I fix this? And sometimes, you know, our, our time with people is something that we can't get back. Now, when we're looking at tasks and situations and stuff in life, it's like, okay, well, this is the, I could, I could start that project over. But with people, sometimes we can't just start over. With people, you know, they, they have memories. People in their memories are like, okay, well, see, this is, this is what, this is what I remember you said. And this is what I remember you did. And this is how I remember you not doing this. So it's like, okay, well, wait, God doesn't want us to be condemned, right? For failing because we repent. And God cleanses us, he purifies us, he sanctifies us, he lets us, you know, become more and more like him. But you have to ask God for that too. You say, God, please allow my heart to be more like you. I want to be more like you. But when we're going through our experiences and the, the, the trials, tribulations, and adversities, it's like, we're we make mistakes with people and we have failures with people that sometimes can be permanent with them it's like well wait a minute you hurt my feelings so bad that i don't forgive you for what you said i don't forgive you for the way you acted i don't forgive you for the way you treated me and i'm talking very honest because some people, they will really hold on to things for a very, very long time. I'm not one of them. I let things go and say, you know, I, I can't be meditating on that. Because like, if you, if you, if you, if you stay stuck and ponder, you just constantly thinking about the problem you'll never ever get out of that problem it you'll be in a bubble of problems and so like i i have had some issues with my ex my spouse my ex my ex-husband it's like we're our our vision is different but that doesn't mean that our children have to be impacted by it. But they are. 
And so um, I'm learning to let go in a way where I'm letting God all the way. And sometimes it's like when you're when you're a parent, it's like, okay, God, you know, like God wants you, it's just in you to always want to okay, well, you should be doing this. Uh, this is good for you. You know, don't do that, don't do this. Don't you know, like we're overseers of our children. Um, good. So, um, in order for us to like really, really be able to be doers of the word of God, we have to trust God. And I tell you right now, I am fully trusting God with my children. They are adults and I have one emerging adult. I have four kids. And I've talked about them um, throughout my podcast. Uh, I have one, my youngest, who's really been close um, to home. Uh, but it's, it's so important for us as parents to be able to trust God. Because, see, I cannot allow these secular beliefs from my ex-husband who no longer live in my house to still be able to control my house that means that it's something wrong with something that i am doing i am allowing this to happen i am allowing my ex-husband to dictate my household to say what can't happen in my household and to say what can't go on in my household We have to let go of things and give God complete authority. So I'm telling you all today, this is a new journey for me. And in this journey, I am really, really taking it to the point where I'm giving God complete, complete control. And I am trusting God in this process. Because, see, my children are influenced by their dad. Not me. And so I guess if it makes me feel a certain type of way in a way where it's like, okay, so um, when I said, it don't matter, but if your dad said, that's who you're going to listen to. So instead of me confessing that, I asked God to take that out of my vocabulary. And now I asked God to forgive me for saying certain things too. And I've also asked God to allow me to just give him complete control. So I'm giving God control. And I'm trusting God to help, to help everyone. Because it's okay to listen to our parents. God said to honor that mother and thy father. And so I understand that. 
But what happens when your parents don't believe in God? You still honor them, but that doesn't mean that you have to do what they say. If you're believing in God and they don't believe in God, you have to separate from that, those beliefs. But really, really, you, you don't have to do anything. The number one thing to do is understand that choices all have consequences and choices can also bring opportunity. So we have to listen to the voice of God and not people unless they are praying for us. So on this journey that I'm taking, I'm trusting God in everything. I'm trusting God with my kids. I'm trusting God in the relationships with the people that I know, my friends. This is what I mean, my network, people that I know. I'm trusting God in everything because I've given everything over to him. And I'm asking God to just basically lead me in every single aspect of my life. I don't want to be the, the dominating force in my life. I want God to be the dominating force in my life. The Holy Spirit to be the dominating power in my life. And so God showed me like, look, you say you trust me. So trust me. I'm leading you to a place. I'm also leading them to a place. Trust me. God is telling me, trust him, trust the process. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm trusting God and I'm trusting the process. So let's keep me in y'all prayers too, okay? Um, and if you need a prayer request, I'll be glad to go ahead and pray for you too. We need to be prayer warriors for each other, okay? Um, let me go ahead and pray. That is the two-hour mark. Just to let you all know, we are in the business of striving for excellence. We craving God in our life. We're trying to do the best thing that God wants us to be by being our best selves. And the way that we be our best selves is we have to challenge ourselves to do things that we normally wouldn't feel like we're able to do. Challenge yourself to new things that these new things that God creates for you in your life. Okay, so let me go ahead and pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for your word today. Thank you for allowing me to be an inspiration. And thank you for allowing me to plant and water seeds in the lives of those that will listen, God. I just pray right now, Lord, that you allow our hearts to be more like you. Allow us to be more like you. Allow our actions, our behavior, our reactions to things, Father God. Our attitudes. Give us be attitudes, Father God. Let us be more like you. Let us be more gentle like you. Let us be more understanding like you. Let us be able to pray more like you. Let us be like you, God. 
Shape our hearts to be more like you. Allow our minds to be more like you. Our thoughts to be more like you. Let our desires to be more like you. God, let us be more like you. The most important thing that we need, God, is you. You say that you will never leave us nor forsake us. So we thank you, God, that you allow your will to be done in our life, even despite the problems and adversities that we go through, God. We give them all to you, God. We give you our problems. We give you our concerns, our issues, and we lay them at your throne of grace. And we ask that you allow us to overcome the things that causes us to have unbelief. Allow us to overcome the things that is preventing us from living in the full purpose, plan, and will that you have laid out before us. The things that you have bestowed upon us, Father God, let us accomplish them with success and, and with high favor from you, God. Allow us to have favor in every situation and circumstance. God, allow us to live a life that is pleasing to you, Lord. But most importantly, God, please allow your will to be done in our life. We give you glory, praise, and honor. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is still in your atonement blood. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining me. I will see you all on Sunday. Um, continue to keep me in your prayers, and I will keep you in my prayers as well. Send me an email if you wanted to suggest a topic. If you wanted to make a comment, put the comment in the blog. I'll be sure to respond to you there. Thank you all once again for joining me.